So welcome back. We have a special day today because today we are going to finish the book. Even if we are here to midnight. <laughs> you know, this is our goal to finish that. You know, and uh, so I hope that you read there are those those pages as a homework as we're talking. So today we are going to start on page three one one, this last chapter. A vision of Christ. Okay. All right, please. Do you want to see the Lord Jesus Christ? Come and see, says his apostle. The Lord Jesus Christ promised to be with his disciples to the end of the age. He is with them in the Holy Gospels and the mysteries of the church. He is not with those who do not believe in the gospel. They do not see him blinded by lack of faith. Do you want to hear Christ? He speaks to you through his gospel. Do not ignore his saving voice. Turn away from your sinful life and be attentive to the teaching of Christ, which is eternal life. Do you want Christ to appear to you? He tells you how to receive this vision. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So, St. Ignatius, he, in his last chapter, he makes some kind of conclusions. And um, in some way, he returns back to previous chapters and reminds us the main point. And... Uh, Really, these first paragraphs um, are very important, and we have to really meditate longer over uh, this. Because, look, we grew up in some kind of environments which gave us some kind of understanding of faith of God. And uh, for most, mostly, we, we got a lot of bad, like this formation. Not bad formation because of, because of bad intentions, but bad formation because of influence of that environment in which we were. I, I, for sure, I probably mentioned this little story, uh, but not recently, but before that, about a priest who uh, is a friend of mine, and he uh, was sharing with me his joy because he was preparing one young man for uh, baptism. And he was so happy because during that meetings he was so happy to see this young man filled with zeal and even with courage to somehow follow in some kind of radical way this teaching of gospel. And he was we were very happy to see that too. And he was, the priest was encouraged and he said that, but in one moment, he told me, in one moment I got sad. I told myself, what happens after baptism? If he becomes member of parish, parish will pull him down. And, and this is sad reality. You have people who share things that, okay, I'm trying to live gospel, I'm trying to follow God, uh, Christ's word, I want to grow, and I feel so alone in my parish. Now, it is not criticism of people there because in the parish, there are not people who would say, I don't love Christ. There are people who 
come to the parish and come for the liturgy because they believe. But some kind of formation or way how they experience spiritual life or religious life was uh, forming them in this way that they feel this is the way how Christian life should be lived. And it is the same as, for sure it is here too in America, but in Slovakia in 1972, I think, or five, Conference of Bishops of Slovakia, they issued like these rules for fasting. And, uh, well, there were rules which said, which gave some kind of like orders how to approach these fasting seasons. But it was clear at the time when bishops issued that, that they are going like, that they are trying to help those who had difficulties in their conscience when they were not able to fulfill the strict rules. So they lowered down, but they said this, that if you are not able to do this, uh, so this is minimum, this is minimum what you should keep, and it is doable, so don't say that we, ju we just want to, we want to help your conscience, you know. But what happened? It happened that this was preached like correct way of fasting. It was never preached, or whatever, but in majority, it was not preached that, that, well, this is the minimum, but everybody has to try to fast or to do this abstinence for benefit of soul to do, to reach limits. It was not said, it was said, well, this is what Bishop said, you should keep that. And uh, during like 30 years, fasting disappeared from church life. And, and it, I, I don't say this fault of bishops, because there was clear in the instruction, it was clear that it was how it is meant. But we have this inclination, inclination to comfortable life. So we always take, if okay, if something allows us somehow to enjoy this comfort in our life, we, we take it. And this can create somehow environment, even Christian environment, which is so far for real teaching of gospel. And, and we have to realize that and uh, because, because we see that it is not working. We see that uh, what was done, and I, I, I can see that like in these generations, still when I, when I listen to all the oldest generation of parish, they say, well, <coughs> <coughs> Like Joe told me uh, uh, on Saturday, he said, well, oh, we had nice crowd in the church, but I said, well, uh, but well, I can remember on Holy Great Friday, we had to add chairs to the church because so many people came. He remembered that. And what was true, now, this was some kind of, of that way, uh, that generation, how they lived. But it was not lived like it was. It was something how how and this this church life was arranged was normal. But they this generation didn't give Christ, didn't teach, didn't form their children to be uh, to be uh, real followers of Christ. 
And then tradition stopped to have this power to keep people in church. So you can see that, for example, this generation who are 80, 90 now, if you if you look to like uh, age groups, we can see a huge gap between now and 70 and 40. There is a huge gap, people who are missing. One generation is gone, for, I am talking about our parish. And, and it is interesting, all those, all those children uh, who were at the time as a children, the children, they had to add chairs. They are not in the church anymore, it's just small um, percentage. Now it is getting better with younger generation, because probably and, and visit you can we can feel this thirst for truth, for, uh, thirst for something what is real. But but those people who had the thirst to, for this what is real, they are coming to a church, and do environment which has own way of life, you know, based on how it was done, how it was lived, and suddenly they have this some kind of conflict, well, I want more, I need more. This is not what I expect from uh, Christianity. So we are, we are now in, in uh, some kind of strange time when something is changing and transforming and there are more and more people who are searching for something authentic. But this authentic will not come out or will not be present if we don't lessen these suggestions uh, uh, um, who are in these few paragraphs we read. When we really have this, when we have this desire and this zeal to be followers of Christ, even we know that it will not comfortable way, that we will need to adjust our life according to his, his words. And uh, as he said here, you know, now it is it is uh, uh, something what. I start to like more and more. It is this something what we were using and still we are using somewhere uh, in our in our sign and things that the signs on the church all are welcomed. So this is not good. It's horrible sign because not all are welcome. The parish should be welcome only those who want to be followers of Christ, who really want to be followers of Christ. Because through this sign, it means that all everybody is welcome, so it means that we really want to adjust to everybody. No, this is not way for church. Those who are coming to church should adjust to gospel. Church, church is here for that, not to uh, somehow fulfill free time of people. And we have to. Un it is and and it is impossible to do it, even if we have good understanding. For sure, all are welcome. I. I, I <laughs> Look, yes, everybody is welcomed, but well, we have to realize that there are conditions. Why, why you want to enter a church? Why do you want to be member of this parish? And I and uh, well, one lady, um, she helps with cabbage rolls, and and she told me once that well, I went to post office after we were making cabbage rolls and 
said, well, and this uh, gentleman behind the desk, he said, oh, I smell cabbage rolls. You are from St. Nicholas. <laughs> so she said, oh, she, uh, we are known. I said, well, I am ashamed that we are known because of cabbage rolls. <laughs> you know, I am ashamed of that. Well, it should be something different we should be known for. It might help. I don't say this is good too, you know. But, but you, you know, you, you you know what I mean. And but well, we can say this, but it is impossible to uh, to change uh, to change um, just to introduce good ways of life if we don't do it on personal level. Parish is not something what our church, even I would say small church parish. Uh, parish is has this character or this way of life of how people have inside parish. If I am not trying, don't pushing myself, so my parish is then not is not inspiring others to follow Christ. If individuals try to grow, so then community of these individuals create this place, environment, which will be challenging and helping others to grow too. I think this is something what, what uh, we should keep in mind that, well, Really, church, uh, quality of, not quality of church, the quality of church depends on me. If I am trying another, it doesn't mean that if I am holy already or not, but if I have this desire for Christ, I'm trying to, to live a gospel. And uh, we are finishing today this book, and um, we have, I have similar group is just started with Brianchan, you know, in Slovak, because I was talking too much about this group and what I see as a change, which it brought the studying of others that, well, then, um, well, it's a longer story, but uh, I was asked to do something like similar. But, and I told them that, well, we went like through five years through this. And yes, many people start and they stop, but still I, I know that they are still reading the book or other books. That those things, even they were visiting for, for uh, several meetings they were here. One young lady, she came Saturday evening. Uh, she was sitting in the back. Young with, lady. The, with the two children? No, no, no. Oh, uh, Maria? Um, uh, well, I don't know her, know her name. And uh, I, I, I know, I know that young lady, I know her. And then we talked after, and she told me that she was here for book study like three times. She came. She got book and she was studying that, reading. And he said that book really touched her life. So, but but this this uh, she was not alone. So many people were touched by that, and I can see differences in life of people who who were who went through this formation class all time or just sometime, you know, they, they attended. I can see that they understood something, they were touched something, they're trying different way. And I told today, when we had this book study in Slovak, and I said, today we are going to finish that book. But I said, it brought so much blessing for our parish because one person was touched in some way, and it afflicted 
perish in some way. Another was touched in another way. It afflicted perishing always. And it was like together perish was growing. Or Gresh was gaining the understanding that what is important in spiritual life, how to live spiritual life. And I said this uh, relatively small percentage who went through this formation process afflicted whole parish. Some things are not visible totally, but um, just just uh, one illustration. When at the time when we were starting, so when we had men's group meeting, so we had always like reflection, spiritual in the beginning. It was like something like, I insisted that it must be, so we had this, you know, and it was like, let's go. okay, it was five minutes. Um, you remember that, but like five minutes or seven minutes, even less. Let's talk business, what we are going to do. And we spent like hour then talking about different projects and everything. And uh, now it is that uh, our reflection is almost hour talking about, about some kind of topic on spiritual life. And then Randy has to uh, okay, let, let's stop because we, we need to we need to talk about things we have to do and it is done like in five ten minutes, you know, we are going very fast through this. This change came slowly. But this change came because we created this this uh, environment when uh, people on individual level, they started to want more from their faith and relationship with Christ. Well, I'm saying that, I'm saying that, that we should really understand these words correctly and understand that, well, it is my responsibility for my soul. It will be not done by anybody else. I cannot really change you. You cannot change me. Well, in some way, yes. But we have to want to start to walk on this path of gospel. We want to have, want to, we should be these egoists who are doing everything for own salvation. And once we are doing that on this individual level, then everything around us is striving, is growing, is elevated. Okay, but we are doing it for ourselves. And then this community of these people, individuals, they give give growth to our, to like hold this parish. And I think this is important to go through this slow process, uh, transformation, and then our parishes will become these places where people will find uh, challenge and, 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 and space when they can grow and they will have support. You know? It, uh, it should be, like one priest said, uh, he was giving talk, uh, it's on YouTube, I, I, but all right, it's not necessary to, but he said, The parish should have like all generations there. But said those with white hair should be so mature in faith to be able to give true guidance to holiness to others. And I I said, Oh, this is this true? This is true, but well, uh, we we were not so lucky. We didn't get this, you know. I, and and uh, and even um, it was it was not put stress on this uh, spiritual formation too much because uh, well, at, at least in my formation, you know, like in seminary, even it was uh, at the time I. I, I it was tough and, and interesting, but well, I'm learning now through Brian Chen, Isaac, and others, 
that I am ashamed that I need the muscle. I should. It. I was supposed to know this when before I was ordained, but nobody taught me that. You know. So this is challenge for us, and we should take this challenge. And um, all right. Let's continue. Let's finish the book. Okay. <laughs> this motto for our meeting today. <laughs> you are adopted as a son of God through the mystery of holy baptism. You entered into a close union with God through the mystery of the Eucharist. Keep this adoption alive. Keep this union alive with repentance. Restore the purity and renewal given you in holy baptism and feed your union with God through a life according to the Gospels and with frequent communion of the holy mysteries of Christ. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Keep yourself free of any fantasies that suggest that you already see Christ, that you can feel him, touch him. This is nothing more than the empty game of your bombastic, proud vanity. This is a pernicious self-deception. Fulfill the commandments of Christ, and miraculously you will see the Lord in yourself, in your qualities. Thus, did the Holy Apostle Paul see Christ in himself. He insisted that all Christians <coughs> must have the same vision. He considered those who did not have it as having not yet achieved the status of Christian. If you live a life of sin, if you satisfy your passions and still believe that you love the Lord Jesus Christ, then the disciple who loved Christ, who reclined on his breast during the mystical supper, condemns you as one deceived. He says, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. If you follow your own sinful will and break the commandments of the gospel, then the Lord Jesus Christ will count you among those who do not love him. He who does not love me, he says, does not keep my words. So if you remember first chapters, so we, we see that in this last uh, words he gives us, he just gives summary what he was talking about like in chapter of following Christ, keeping commandments, gospel's commandments, and others. And really, he reminds us again and again what not, he's not giving his own teaching, but he repeats what his holy fathers, his holy teachers of spiritual life, they, they say that we know how to test our life. If we keep commandments, so then we can say that we love or believe in Christ. If we don't keep commandments and we are staying in this state, we are not doing anything with that, how can we say that we are Christians? We are not. And, and this is something what is very important to remember because there are so many illusions, as like I said, which came out from some kind of bad formation, bad understanding, illusions that that uh, uh, are present in our, in our times and, and which serve to bring us satisfaction, good feeling that we are Christians. Today, I was talking about during that group I mentioned in Sloa group I was I was talking about um, how um, how world pushes us how this understanding of faith 
now somehow that how how many times we can hear from different sides that well if you are praying just talk to Christ it's your friend you can share everything with that that's how horrible this is he's not our friend yet he's our Lord he's that one who is going to judge us is one who who really gives us orders as the as a lord and one lady she she like said well but didn't he say to his apostles that well now i call you friends sure he did but he said it to men who left everything to follow him, who three years were following him, listening to his teaching and going everywhere with him. Who went through this spiritual formation, which was given by God himself, And then he told them that. But we are we before we even even we love this world and we are attached to this world and to everything what this world is offering, we live for our passions many times. We don't even want to leave something from our life. And still we have courage to compare ourselves to to friends of Christ and then we have even like this this courage to okay I can just share with him everything what I feel what I you know this and so this is not prayer this is just releasing something from our souls like uh, psychotherapy for myself when I really put everything outside and then I have relief and I say oh God listen to me this is not way but how often it is done how it is pushed and how it is like even said to little children talk to Christ is your friend well, we should teach first children to to understand that he is Lord. And his will is the law. And then, slowly growing through fulfilling of his commandments, his will, our heart will be transformed to that way that we will be filled with with him himself and we will be able to call him friend and I still don't think that we would so putting this God somewhere where he is not is illusion which might serve for our uh, to please ourselves, to please our ego, ego. But we have to approach him with this understanding that, well, if I don't keep his commandments, I am approaching him, I should tremble. I should cry. I should beg him for forgiveness. And we know that he's merciful, but well, his mercy is put upon us when we have this correct approach. 
it might seem like a little bit harsh, but well, this is the way how how what what we find in this teaching of these holy fathers. You cannot find there this somehow this advice in this whole history, traditional spiritual life to like just approaching with friends or share what is on your heart. No. So you cannot find this there. This is our modern invention. And because we follow that not to please God, but to please ourselves, because it brings pleasing to us. We are not able to taste this really, this fruit of His mercy, of His love, His providence. Because we made it more about ourselves. So, this, this few paragraphs, what in these few paragraphs He tells us, don't live in lie if you don't keep commandments don't pretend that you are serving God don't pretend back for forgiveness try to fix your life back for help for mercy and do what you can do yes for sure, we will be. It will change cannot come in one day or two days. Many times, change comes in years. But what counts is our intention. If I am trying to fight with my passion, and even I am failing every day, every day, every day, <coughs> but I stand up and I express, "Oh Lord, I fail, but I want, I want to fulfill your commands." This is time of mercy, this is when where his help is and we are growing through this but we should not live in lie to pretend that we are Christians if we don't even try to keep his commandments in fullness okay <coughs> brought me back to the story about uh, St. John Vianney. And, uh, he was you know, a priest that was hearing confession for 18 to 20 hours a day, you know, just doing everything he could to try and save souls. And um, right before he died, his best friend, who was a fellow priest, he had strict orders in this little book that he had there. And he said, when you know I'm getting close, take off my hair shirt and burn it. Because... I don't want anybody to think that I was wearing this hair shirt. You know, I want them to pray for my soul. And um, the priest said, why on earth would you want to do that? You know, why would you do that? And he said, it's the age-old thing, you know. Sinners think they're saints, and the saints think they're sinners. Yeah. You know, and it's just, you know, and, and it's just the way it is. Yeah. It is. That kind of reminded me of that. Yes, and so he here warns us against these illusions in spiritual life. All right, let's continue. Let's finish the book today. Do not strive without reason to enter the bridal feast of the Son of God, to union with him without first looking intently at your old filthy rags, even if you are called to this wedding to which every Christian is called. The master of the house has such servants that will tie your hands and feet and cast you into the outer darkness unknown to God. These servants are the demons, the fallen angels, into whose power is given the brazen one not cleansed by repentance, the seeker for love and other exalted spiritual states, puffed up in his own conceit and self-importance. The outer darkness is the blindness of the human mind, a passionate, carnal state. Sin and the fallen angels reign over the person in such a state. He is deprived of moral freedom. His arms and legs are tied. The tying of his arms and legs signify the lack of ability to live a God-pleasing life and succeed spiritually. 
all those who deceive themselves are in such a state. In order to leave this disastrous state, one must recognize and reject this delusion and enter into a salvific life of repentance. It is difficult to leave this delusion behind. At the door stands a guard. The doors are locked with heavy and firm locks. They are sealed with the seal of hell. The locks signify the pride of the deluded ones, a pride that hides deep in the heart. Their vanity, which constitutes the source of their activity, their hypocrisy and deceit, with which they cover their pride and vanity, with which they put on a mask of good intentions and humility, even sanctity. The unbreakable seal is the acceptance of the fruits of this delusion as the fruits of divine grace. Can the deluded one who thrives on lies and deceit be a doer of the commandments of Christ, whose true source is the truth himself, Christ? Can the one who empathizes with lies, who finds sweetness in lies, who assimilates lies, who unites with lies in his soul, empathize with the truth? No, he will hate it. He will become its maddened enemy and persecutor. Oh, miserable dreamers, what will be your condition? You who imagine that you have spent your entire earthly life in the remembrance of, in the embrace of God, when you will be shocked by the words of the Savior. I have never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, it is pretty clear what is written there. Pretty clear message, again, summary of his teaching in the book. And I think that this part should be um, you know that, like we say that uh, in on the east, uh, we don't have uh, like penance. Um, uh, uh, after confession, but priest, what should give is some kind of like pills for healing. And I think that many times this part we just read. It's something that should be sometimes offered as a dispel to read every day again and again and again. To really understand this reason for spiritual life, for this spiritual warfare. To really be aware that we can be easily uh, when we can easily become slaves of many passions, many bad habits, and that we need to be very careful how we live our life and we should always test it. This our life with words of gospels, words of saints, and to always compare that. And those are words I think that we should really remind ourselves again and again because it is so easy to forget. This inclination to comfortable life is so strong in us. And well, and we have to realize what is that? This desire for, for or to this, this comfortable life. There is in us this desire for heaven. It was given to us by God. We have desire for this happy life in some kind of fullness. Life which is without difficulties, life in peace, life without some kind of this troubles we experience. This is desire, but those those aspects, this, this desire comes from this many times hidden desire for heaven. And because we don't, we, and, and it causes sometimes we want to create this paradise on this earth. 
So we try to still uh, to use this desire to make our life comfortable in this false idea that well we can create this small paradise for ourselves here and it doesn't work we can experience little peace here and there but our experience is that many times it leads this some kind of relax or um, in in a spiritual routine leads gives us some kind of comfortable moments but in the end it leads to bigger problems troubles and and trials so if you have time it's good this last chapter is fantastic for when we are going down somehow with this zeal for spiritual life I think this last chapter to reread it again and again it's it's very very good very good alright last two paragraphs my sincere friend in the Lord go to the Lord Jesus Christ Come near him on the path of the commandments of the gospel. Know him through him, through them. Show and prove your love for him by keeping them. He will reveal himself to you in a day and hour known to him alone. Together with his revelation, he will pour into your heart unutterable love for himself. Divine love is not something that belongs by nature to fallen man. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit, sent by God alone to his vessels purified by repentance, to his vessels of humility and chastity. Entrust yourself to the Lord, not to yourself. He is far more dependable. He is your creator. When you allied yourself to grievously fall, he took upon himself humanity for your sake. He gave himself up to death. For you, he shed his blood. To you, he gave his divinity. What would he not do for you? Prepare yourself for his gifts by purifying yourself. That is your work. Amen. Yeah. Well, Saint uh, Theophan Dreclos, he says that that Christian life is active excitement to to please God in everything. And this is done with sacrifice with refusing every sin what God doesn't like. And he says, when this zeal, this kind of zeal is present in us, then we live Christian life. And St. Ignatius like confirms these words in these last last two paragraphs and uh, and again like all this chapter is like uh, like he he it is like summary of all these previous chapters and when he explains these spiritual laws of spiritual life and um, and he gives answers how to live spiritual how to acquire this zeal for God how to acquire this ability this knowledge how to live um, uh, gospel and in then he says well then uh, then we will be ready when we follow this path we will be ready to receive all his gifts which uh, 
uh, he prepared for us. Um, he is talking to us in some kind of some kind of easy way. He's in some kind of simplicity. But gospel is simple, but full of challenges. And many times we we replace this simplicity with complicated explanation of faith of God, and in this complexity of of teaching, we are losing this. We are losing to see this challenge which Christ gives us. And uh, yeah. there was one when I said yesterday, but I didn't use that for homily. Uh, I, there was another like example. I was talking about one elder in the beginning. Well, about one man who wrote his experience. He learned about one elder. It means it's like holy monk. And uh, he was known for his holiness, and people were coming to him for advice. One man who learned about that, he made this desire. Oh, he was like, oh, I need to go and to ask him about my soul and my spiritual life. So he traveled to that monastery and found the surprise that he had to wait in line several hours. And finally, when he entered into this elder and he said, well, I need advice for my life. And, and this elder said to him one word. He said, repent. Send another one. This meeting with this elder was so, so short. He just gave him one word. But this word resonated in him and it was something what he needed to hear uh, but well when I was preparing this family I, I recall another story it was told by my friend who studied in Rome and he was telling me that one of our friends he was doing uh, licentiate Yes. Licenti how, it, how it is? It's a, a, a licentiate degree. Yes. So he was there in front of some kind of commission to defend his thesis. And uh, so they went there and because it was public. And they were just making fun of him and privately. And he said, well, when he finished and it was done and he went out, so he asked his, his friend that, well, what do you think? It was good? And he said, well, it was enough just to say, repent. You said it in a thousand words, not a thousand words, maybe <laughs> 10,000 words, you know? And it's true. It's true that, that and, and I think this is this is a whole meaning of this book was I, I would say if you can make summary is repent it means turn to your life to Christ totally that's it all right amen, amen. amen. very champagne yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well now we uh, I, as I said before uh, we are going to have a break now. I think that we all need that. Uh, and uh, then we will start, because I realized I don't have some kind of courage to start this small book, something like that. It's not a big book, but well, still it took us five years. So uh, I decided that we will go with over teaching of Saint Theodorus the Great. 
uh, he has it. His uh, his teaching is in Philokalia, and it is one hundred short texts, and uh, we would go through this. And it's one hundred means one year. We are able to. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> that we can go faster through this and. And I think it, it is, in short, some kind of reminder of spiritual life. Uh, in short, these paragraphs. So it would be good summary of that book. And then uh, uh, after, I think, at least I'm thinking now, I would like to go through the book Path of Salvation, Path to Salvation from Theophan Dracules. It's a little bit different style a little bit more complicated, but he explains perfectly uh, this mechanism. At first, the first part is about how life, Christian life is born in a in human being. Then he continues and he touches from baptism, uh, raising of children, very tough teaching on this, that how to raise children. And then he continues with some kind of analysis that how the God's grace touches human heart, how person answers, how this awakening of sinners um, becomes, and he continues forward. And it is um, it is book full of wisdom, but you need to spend time over that book because. I read it like twice or three times. First time I read, I didn't like the book. <laughs> you know, I, I read that uh, well, it's something like. But then, when you when you start to read slower and paragraph paragraph, like we read this, and to really think about that, you realize that how powerful his teaching is. So, this is what is in my mind. But well, who knows? Maybe God will bring some some kind of different inspiration during why we'll be talking about St. Theodore of the Great. Okay. So who is here at the beginning? Patrick, Joanne, Karen, Pramiki, you, Karen. So thank you for staying with us all these five years. Mm-hmm. Do you have something to share about these five years? My, my thinking on these last five years is that um, I feel like my whole uh, life in the church, that I was just, it almost seems like it was rote, you know, that, you know, you when you're little you went to church every Sunday with your parents and and you never questioned anything but you never learned anything and I've learned more in these past five years I think than I have in my entire life and and learned and I guess the thing I keep thinking about all the time when you were talking about you know people think that you know they need to talk to 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 God or to Jesus and they's his friend and stuff like that and I guess what kept instilling in my mind this whole time is that he's a king you have to give a king respect you know it, it, you can't just you know walk up to king and talk to him like there's nothing or anything like that and and you have to earn that respect and i think in that um by by learning and following his commandments and asking for forgiveness i think that helps you in that journey mm-hmm. I was just talking to a a newer parishioner that's been here for about a year, and uh, he said, I gotta tell you, being over here in St. Nick's, he says, I've learned more in one year than I learned over the last 40 years. And he said, that's no joke. And he said, that's given my whole Well, 
this is this is um, work of these guys, holy fathers. You know that I think that this is the way how if we uh, if we turn our attention to this teacher of spiritual life, they they will teach us. And just because we uh, and 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 I uh, don't put this book on the shelf. Just try to read it again and again. One story from, in the end, uh, from a life of uh, it is a story which is in the in the uh, life of Saint Paisiewalichkowski. He was that one who created Philokalia, and uh, he put together this text. And this monastery, when he is buried after his death. There was uh, something. Uh, this happened there. This monster became, which was it's in solitude and silent monastery, then perfect life almost. As it was then, when he died, it became like huge pilgrimage place. So people were coming to pray over his grave and uh, asking for. So, so monks instead of this ascetical work and silence and prayer, they were busy with taking care of all these like crowds of people who were coming. And there was still one monk, he was, I think, Sophronius, his name was, and he was disciples of this Pisces and he was in old age and he just kept this rule and also he tried to avoid um, this these people and everything, he just kept his rule and he was in cell, he didn't go out. When he went out, it was always like evening and it was, was calm. So when he went out and he noticed that there is like a soldier, not soldier, like officer uh, at the gate. He said, what, what the soldier is doing here? So he came to him and asked that, well, how can I help you? I said, well, um, I, am, I was sent here to, to guard this monastery. To guard? Why? Well, no, we have to pay attention. And he t tried to avoid to answer. So this monk uh, was like urging him that, well, you are, so you came to guard like, by yourself, alone, you officer? I said, no, 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 before, before, we were here like thousands and thousands. I said, thousands, thousands, here in Master, I did, I am, I spent whole life here, I didn't see thousands, thousands of soldiers. And in the end, he realized that it was vision. And this, this officer somehow revealed that he's a demon. And he, said, why, and he said, while St. Pisces was living, we needed thousands and thousands of soldiers here mm. to keep people from changing. Mm. Now, one, I am I'm enough. And this monk said, so funny, said, well, but okay, just one. And so, so it is like nothing, you know, that, and he said, well, they left me here because still there are books of St. Pisces here. And we have to pay attention, may nobody reads that. Well, this is a story which was given, uh, which was given by uh, St. Uh, but but in his in his life story, and there is one, and I want to, I don't know if this in book or not, in the life story of Saint Ignatius, is written that when he died, one of his disciples was in uh, after his death was in like spiritual battle, horrible. And 
so he started to cry the, the starets we call them and teacher help me help me pray for me and Ignatius came and I don't know if if his word or just uh, making sign of cross I don't know detail now but this temptation was gone peace came and when this peace came then Brechner looked at him and said everything what I wrote is truth and it disappeared mm -hmm. all right <laughs>